0: From the EPR Creation Studio. This is the Unconquered Podcast. Hot takes edition. Immediately following the Florida game, Florida, Florida State game, Florida wins by a total of 40 to 17. And do we really want to talk about this? I mean, this game basically went as expected. Uh I what I had in the uh in the pregame podcast, I had thirty-four to seventeen. Uh, you know, Florida scored I guess one more one more touchdown or two more field goals depending on how you uh how you want to total that up. But pretty much what you'd expect. I'm now looking at uh the yards per play here. Let's see. Yards per play, Florida State was at 4.5, which was right on expectation. Florida was at 6.4, a little bit higher than than expected uh but, you know, they had a couple big plays in there and that that pretty much accounts for the difference in a slightly higher score. But basically, this game went as expected. Florida State couldn't block them, and uh, they didn't have – well, let's – might as well talk a little bit about this. Uh, And actually, before I continue, I want to thank my three sponsors. That's EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Garage Makeovers down in South Florida. If you need any of their services, their information is always in the show notes. But uh but yeah, when I when you go back and you look at this game, there are a couple of things actually to talk about. Uh one is just how soft Florida State is overall as a program. Uh I mean, this has been a problem for a while. But so much of this goes back to the offseason and goes back to the culture in the program. I was just getting I was just texting with a, an old teammate uh who said, you know, we're not strong, we're not fast, guys' bodies haven't changed since getting on campus. I don't want players that I have to force into the weight room. Well, there's culture for you. The sad part about this, though, is that, I mean, in the last year, last two years, really, that it's not been a situation where you've had guys that you've had to force into the weight room or whatever, that guys that just haven't, haven't worked out. It's just that they haven't gotten more explosive because of, as far as I, I, as far as I can tell, because of the type of training that they've been doing. Uh, they've been doing, they've been focusing on what I would call CrossFit style training. Uh, and you, you can look at what the, what all the players talked about in the off season about how, how much harder it was and how much harder they were working and, you know, that they were shedding some weight and that they were just way fitter and all of this. But then when you start looking at the, at the cramping situation early in the year, and, you know, obviously that was, uh, Uh, That led to some led to those comments about needing to be more hydrated and all of that. Well, that's one of the things that I talked about at the time is that cramping is not about hydration. Cramping has to do, it's a neurological phenomenon. uh, And, you know, used to be thought actually until recent, until quite recently, the, the, the basic medical orthodoxy was that basically, uh, cramping, you know, you had to make sure that you had electrolytes in balance and that it was all about hydration, electrolytes and all of that. And it turns out that cramping isn't really about that. Uh, and you know, there's been several studies that have been done to, to demonstrate otherwise. And, you know, if cramping was about that, then it would be weird that, you know, you can, all of a sudden take a little bit of pickle juice and all of a sudden the cramping stops before there's any time for that to be absorbed. It's just like the acidic taste or it's the specific taste receptors that it hits that all of a sudden you stop. It's because it's a neurological phenomenon, not a hydration phenomenon. And it's a neurological phenomenon related to how you train. And if you train consistently at that like 80% range and you're going really fast with low, low, uh, low, low rest in between sets and all of that, to train for going up tempo, I guess, then you're, when, when all of a sudden you go from say 85%, which you're, you know, mostly getting to that point in your training. And then all of a sudden you go to a hundred percent, you're going to cramp because your body's not used to recruiting those your muscle fibers in that, at that level. And so you start cramping. Uh, And, and you can see that with this team that they, they are not uh, as explosive. They're not as, as f- you've seen guys come on campus and they've not gotten faster and they've not gotten bigger. And that's, that goes back through the last two regimes. I mean, basically Vic has had been asleep on the job since 2014. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you could see that 2014 team, how fat they came out, but the guys haven't gotten faster. They haven't gotten stronger and that makes a difference. That's a huge part of development. And that's going to be the first thing that the next coach has to fix coming in. It's, they're going to have to, the the next coach is going to have to, that that staff is going to have to make sure that they have an outstanding strength coach and strength staff that's going to get their, get those players bought in, first of all, into the culture that you want. And secondly, you've got to get stronger and faster to be able to compete. And you've got to, you've got to take guys where when they come in as an 18 year old freshman, they shouldn't look like they do when they leave at 22 or 23 or 21, if they're, you know, three-year guys. At 21, they should look different than when they came in, with a few exceptions. I mean, if you come in looking like Greg Jones, then yeah, you know, you're not going to look all that different. Or, you know, Antonio Cromartie or, uh, you know, those guys, yeah, they look more or less the same as when they came in, because they came in looking different to begin with. But even those guys can get stronger and faster, and they did. I mean, Greg came in at about hundred uh, at about 230 pounds, and he left at 253, uh, and didn't, wasn't, wasn't any slower, at least wasn't slower as a result of, of training. It was because of, uh, of a knee injury, uh, that he'd lost a little bit of mobility, but I mean, that's what you're looking for. And they need to, they need to get that squared away. They need to get that taken care of immediately. That has to be priority number one, uh, well beyond recruiting for the next, for the next coach. Uh, as far as that next coach, I keep getting a bunch of questions behind the scenes. Honestly, right now, guys, I don't have a whole lot to say the, uh, <laughs> and and it's not because I'm holding back. I don't have a bunch of inside knowledge on this one that I'm holding back because of whatever, uh, that is sometimes the case. But in this case, there's been rumors, lots of rumors going back and back and forth and around. And, uh, you know, many of you have probably heard some of the same rumors that I have, that I have as well, but I, I, can't, I haven't been able to validate or verify anything from people that I trust. So, you know, at this point, I'm probably going to find out along along with the rest of you, and that's that's okay. Uh, that means that they've done a good job of keeping a lid on this one. Unlike the last one, where you know, actually, I I had a pretty good idea of exactly what was happening behind the scenes because uh, because lips were were looser in that in that uh, situation. This one's not uh, not the case at all. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to hire a great a great coach. You can you can quietly hire a bum, but uh, but that does mean that that Glenn Sugiyama and that, that, uh, that search firm, they've lived up to their reputation in terms of keeping a lid on things and keeping, keeping leaks from, from happening. So, uh, so good for them, uh, on that. They've got a well, well well-deserved reputation there. As far as the rest of this game, Bryles did a good job of scheming up some, uh, some shots in the first half, uh, that little screen and, and lateral (laughs) was exactly what I was asking for, on the on the uh, preview podcast is exactly the sort of thing that was like look look if you can get that kind of thing early and maybe get a big play out of it then you can turn something that's that's the kind of thing that i would want to do and they did it and they had everything in position florida over pursued just like you want there they were able to get the edge and then the final block on the edge uh by the wide receiver was not made well enough and florida was able to to uh force him to cut back a little bit and pursuit was able to get to him so it turned out to be about a 9-yard play instead of a the 70-yard play and, and a house call that you're hoping for but still a uh, a fun little way to open the game and uh they were able to take advantage of of some uh coverage tendencies early on with some RPO situations getting uh getting Terry inside and were able to 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 hit some plays there but then, you know, in some other cases where they were able to scheme up some downfield shots, they had a nice little, uh, little pump and go, or it might've been a slot option, a slot vertical choice. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to go back and, and take a closer look at it, but either way, uh, it's one of those vertical slot, vertical routes that they, they were able to get. Uh, and Terry was wide open and Terry, I think kind of heard the footsteps actually of Keith Gavin, who was also in the area. And that's, I guess by design on that play, but who's also in the area and, and, uh, and well, actually that was a different one. That was, that was the, uh, that was the post route later. And, uh, he basically just stuck his hand out and didn't actually go after the ball hard, which great. And it's a low effort play, but why not join the, join the rest of the team and that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. But on the, on the, uh, on the slot, situation schemed up wide open and then started throttling down because he didn't trust blackman to get it there and then blackman promptly overthrew him so you know it's again a situation where right there that's 14 points taken off the board because you've got your stud wide receiver doesn't doesn't make the plays that you expect him to make down the field and and that that kind of typifies the game for in in a lot of ways tell you what you got to hand it to, to cam Akers though 17 carries for 102 yards against a really good defense six yards a carry that, that guy is going to go down as one of the best running backs in Florida State history. I certainly hope he's able to make it through the bowl game healthy. I would consider if I were him skipping the bowl game because there's really nothing left for him to, to benefit from. Uh, and this is not exactly an important bowl game. So I, I would really consider it because, he, he, look, he's got to get paid and he's going to be a really good NFL running back. And uh, people are going to look back and, and be incredulous at how at how he was wasted at Florida State uh and he has been the consummate seminal and uh is a guy that hopefully will continue to be a presence around the program uh for the future because he's you know a high character guy and a guy that uh, that deserves better than than the teams that he's played on beyond that you know this is this is not a not a good situation for Florida State i mean you go into next year and you've lost to both of your in state rivals, obviously the regime is gonna change, so that should help bump a few things recruiting wise as long as you're able to to get things in place in time to salvage a little bit of this uh this early recruiting class. But you know some of those five star guys some of the some of the best players on your team, acres and uh marvin wilson and and uh some of those other guys they they're probably not gonna be around next year, and that's gonna make winning a lot harder for the next guy and uh and next year's schedule's not exactly a cakewalk either we'll We'll talk more about that uh in you know the off season podcast and coming up to the bowl game as well but uh but yeah, just looking at this game, you know the other really sad thing, just horrible seeing hamsa nasir al uh hurt his knee looked to me like most likely an a c l tear, and you're looking at a guy that's probably gonna go pro, and now it's you know he he theoretically could still go pro, but he's almost certainly going to have to have reconstructive surgery and then, uh, you know, work his way back on the field. And, and so that may, that may mean he could try to try to come back at some point in season next year, whether, whether that's in the pros or in college, I don't know. Uh, it depends on sort of how he wants to do that. And, uh, yeah, it's just really sad to see because again, one of the best players on this team, a guy that has gone to work every day, and as soft as Florida State has been, that guy has not been soft. That guy has has played his tail off all season, and uh, you know has he had really become a, a, a an NFL prospect that that had caught the attention of a lot of scouts and would have gone a lot higher than people expected. So very sad to see that, uh, you know, just if you were a really good player on this year's defense, it seemed like you had a circle around you just for the smite button to be pressed so that you would uh, wind up with some sort of awful injury and uh, yeah, pretty terrible. We'll go ahead and leave off with that. Pretty terrible indeed. Florida state 17, Florida 40. Thanks as always to those above the bleach numbers level over at Patreon. That's Keith Chaney, Casey, Casey kid, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, and Bert Bertoldi. And I'm not sure when I'll do the next podcast. There's not a whole lot to follow up on with this one. I'll, I'll do a film session at some point as well, but again, I'm not in a huge rush here. I'll probably wait to do the next podcast until the, uh, the next, the next coach has been hired. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, unless there's some other reason to to do something, obviously, if you've got questions or you want me to do some other stuff, you can feel free to, uh, to contact me through Patreon and we will, uh, well, I'll, I can I can arrange something between now and the coach being hired, but we'll find out when that is. And we'll see what the whether the various rumors that we've had uh, going around what, what's what's true and what's not and what smokescreen and what's not. All I can say is that Florida State needs discipline. They need attention to detail. They need somebody who can put together an outstanding staff that's going to be able to uh, to establish a culture that more closely matches what Florida State has been about for many years Uh, And they're going to need to find, as part of that staff, somebody who's really good as a strength and conditioning coach to make sure that the culture is built into the offseason. We'll see whether they're able to find somebody like that. But until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.